0: Welcome to To Every Generation the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields located in Jamesburg, New Jersey where we teach through the entire Bible verse by verse and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: I really feel it was laid on my heart to really do a study on the people of the Bible. Um, How did they start off what did they, they experience? Where did their lives end up? Why did God even include these people in the Bible? How did God use them? And I believe the things we'll learn about them can help us have a deeper understanding of the Bible and a deeper walk with, the, with God. So, over time, I'm going to be covering the Twelve Apostles. And tonight, I'm going to start with Peter. He's not up there. <laughs> oh. Peter. Simon Peter was a brother of Andrew, another apostle. Peter was active in bringing people to Jesus. He was an author of the Bible. Little is known of Peter, Peter's life prior to uh, meeting Jesus. His name was Simeon, often shortened to Simon. His surname was Barjona, which is Aramaic son of Jonah and Jonah being his father's name Good. Peter was born in Bethsaida Julius the name meaning house of fishermen located On the north, north of um, Galilee, yeah, that's it, Sea of Galilee, and east of Jordan River. By the time Peter met Jesus, he had married and moved a few miles west of Galilee, town of Capernaum. And this is where Peter and Andrew went into partnership with James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Before they encountered Jesus, Peter and Andrew traveled down the Jordan Valley to hear the prophet John the Baptist. And that kind kind of told me that um, Peter and Andrew really wanted to know the word and hear it all they can. So what kind of man was Peter? Turn with me to Luke 5 verses 1 through 6. Again, that's Luke 5 verses 1 through 6. So it was, as a multitude pressed about Jesus, uh, yeah, him, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw the boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Here, Peter is told to do something by Jesus. Does he do it without question? Not our Peter. He says, Jesus, we already tried it, but... I'll do it if you want me to. Once Peter obeys, what is the fruit of Peter's obedience? So much fish, the net is breaking. It shows us how foolish we can be at times. God wants to bless us and we either say no. I'm not doing that for whatever reason. Or we put it off and don't do it right away. Or we end up doing it a different way than God told us to. Have any of you made any of these choices? In any case, we will end up missing out on many of God's blessings. And how foolish is that? If we would just learn to do as God directs us without question, the amount of blessing we would receive from God would cause our nets to be at a point of breaking. Again, it shows us how foolish we can be. Let's turn to Matthew 14, verses 25 through 32. Again, that's Matthew fourteen, verses twenty five through thirty two. Again, that's Matthew fourteen, twenty five through thirty two. Starting at verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand And caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Hmm. And yet again, Peter starts off good. He's just trucking along on the water. But he takes his eyes off Jesus and focuses on the storm around him. His fear kicks in. And Peter sinks. Peter cries out, Lord, save me. What does Jesus do? Because of who he is, Jesus Jesus reaches out to him. Peter grabs his hand. And Jesus saves him. Right now you may be in the middle of a storm. But rather than fixing your eyes on who controls it, you're focusing on the storm. The fear is now taking over and you are sinking. As Jesus reached out to Peter, Jesus He's holding his hand out to you. But you need to take that step of grabbing his hand. You know, he may or may not calm the storm, but he can give you peace. And he will be with you every step of the way. You got to grab his hand. So now turn with me to John 13, verses 1 through 17. Again, that's John 13, verses 1 through 17, starting at. Now, Jesus, I'm sorry. Now, therefore, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put in, into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded him himself. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. But not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. When he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, Have washed your feet; you also ought ought to wash other another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know washing. The feet, back then especially, walking around in the grime and dirt was pretty nasty. And the servants did it. So it was known as like a lowly job. But here Jesus is trying to show Peter and the other disciples, if he, being the son of God, isn't above washing your feet, neither are they. No one should be thinking they're above another. But again, Peter jumps to reacting rather than taking the time to understand what Jesus is trying to teach them. So Jesus had to rebuke Peter yet again. But I like that Peter right away receives and accepts Jesus' rebuke. Question to you. How well do you receive rebuke? When someone out of love for you comes to you about a sin in your life, do you make excuses? Do you get angry? Do you use the judgment card? Don't you judge me. I don't think that's Jesus-like. Now turn with me to John 18, 7 through 9. I'm sorry, 7 through 10. Again, that's John 18, verses 7 through 10. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Peter, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name is Malchus. Well, there Peter goes again. He has the right intentions, but a bad response. He means well, but he overreacts. Jesus ends up telling Peter to put his sword back into the sheath. If Peter had taken the time, he would have noticed that Jesus was not running away. Jesus didn't even take the soldiers out because he could have. And if Jesus didn't have a problem with the arrest, why should Peter? But Peter reacts right away and Jesus has to tell him to stop. How many times in our life have we done this? Overreacting rather than listening to what someone is saying. Or even getting ahead of God. It might be because we feel we might need control of the situation. Or because we're impatient and we just don't want to wait. I have found when I have done that, I end up making mistakes. Just like Peter. I'm sure you could attest to that. Now turn with me to Luke 22 verses 54 through 62. Again that's Luke 22 verses 54 through uh, 62. Again, that's Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. Starting with, at 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean." But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he How he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter may have had the right intentions again, but when it came down to the rubber meeting the pavement, Peter sang a different tune. You know, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when we make mistakes. How we respond to it, that's what really matters. I am not surprised when I make a mistake. Sometimes I'm not so happy the way I respond to them either. Peter realizes what he did and cries bitterly. He doesn't make excuses. He knows and feels bad about what he did and learns something about himself. You know, the way we start out doesn't have to be the way we end up. Our past does not dictate our future. Everyone has a second and third and fourth chance, chance, just like Peter. As God showed Peter grace, God shows us grace as well by giving us multiple chances. Grace every day. Now, I want to go over Peter's journeys and how he was used after Jesus' ascension. Peter spreads the good news in Jerusalem. So he starts out in Jerusalem. On a day of Pentecost in 30 AD, 3,000 who hear the message become believers. 3,000. That's amazing. Again, that's in Acts 2, verses 14 through 41. You can find that. I'm going to have a slide later for these scriptures that I'm about to read about his journey. So if you want to write them down and read them on your own time, you can. And I highly recommend it. Uh, the next one is Acts 31. I mean, I'm sorry, Acts 3, verses 1 through 4 and 22. Peter heals a lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple he and John are arrested by the temple guards and told not not to preach. So they stop preaching and go home. Or do they? Let's read. Now in Acts 5, 1 through 16, as the leader of the church in Jerusalem, Over the next few years, Peter rebukes Ananias and Sapphira when they lie about the money they have received from selling some land. Back in chapter 4, believers decide to sell their land and houses and give the money to the apostles for people in need. In 5.4, Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife, sold some property, but only gives a part, part of it, but claims it was all of it. So they lied. But what I like is what Peter does. He rebukes them. He says, you're not lying to us, you're lying to God. Now in Acts 5, verses 17 through 42, Peter is the spokesman when he and another Apostle are arrested in Jerusalem. Acts 8, 14 through 24, again that's Acts 8, 14 through 24. Peter and John go to Sebasta in Samaria. In 35 AD, and pray for the new Samaritan believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, verse 25, they return to Jerusalem, sharing their message en route in many villages in Samaria. So they don't ever let any of the persecution they received stop them from doing what Jesus commanded them to do. And that was to go out and preach what Jesus has taught them. In Acts 9, verses 32 through 35, later in the year, Peter visits the believers in Lydia. He heals Ananias, who has been bedridden for eight years. So Peter gets to heal, and used to, he's used to heal a lame man of eight years. That's being used. In Acts 9, verses 36 through 43, Peter is called to the port of Joppa, where Tabitha, known as Dorcas, one of the believers, has died. Peter prays for her, and the dead woman comes back to life. Again, is used to raise a woman from the dead. Acts 10, verses 1 through 8. Cornelius, a Gentile, God-fearing centurion, belonging to the Italian army, has a vision of an angel who tells him to send for Peter in Joppa. In Acts 10, Verses 9 through 23, Peter, praying on a flat roof of Simon, the Tanner's house in Joppa, also has a vision in which he is told not to call anything unclean that God has made clean. Shortly after this, Cornelius, two Gentile servants, and his attendant arrive in Joppa. Peter invites them into a into the house. The guest, I'm sorry, Peter invites them into the house to be the guests, although Jews would not normally eat with Gentiles because they were regarded as ritually unclean. And eating with them would make a Jew unclean. And then in Acts 10, verses 23 through 48. Peter travels to Caesarea uh, towards the end of 35 AD and shares the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection with Cornelius' Gentile family and friends. The Holy Spirit falls on all present and the six Jewish believers from, from Joppa. They're all amazed that God has poured out his spirit on the Gentiles. As they heard them speaking in different languages and praising God. The new Gentile believers are baptized as they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Peter stays in the Gentiles' house at Caesarea for several more days. Acts 11 Verses 1 through 18. Peter reports back. To Jerusalem. The more conservative. Um, it goes back to Jerusalem. To believers in Jerusalem. The more conservative uh, Jewish believers. Criticize Peter. For eating with uncircumcised Gentiles. But most of the disciples agree to accept the new Gentile converts into the fellowship of believers. Peter considered himself just an ordinary man. Because if you read chapter 10, you will see when Peter shows up at Cornelius' house, Cornelius runs up to Peter and bows down to him. But I love Peter's response and his reaction to it. Peter tells Cornelius to get up and says, I am just a man like yourself. What I love about that is Peter knew who he was and who he was serving. At times, I see people placing pastors and other leaders in a church on these pedestals. Then when these leaders make a mistake, some people act as if they are more than just ordinary men. I don't mean to break anybody's bubble, but we leaders make mistakes. Just like any other man. The only difference is we decided to be obedient to God's calling to leadership. What I can ask you, for myself and for all the leaders in this church and any other church, that you pray for us and our families. Because the day we stepped up to the plate and chose to serve, our families are attacked by Satan and his demons. I was attacked yesterday, and Rose and I have to remind each other, you must be teaching. Never, ever, ever fails. So I'm sure I'm speaking for all of us here as your leaders. Please pray for us and our families. We can definitely use it. Lastly, I want to show you Peter's life in contrast before and after the Pentecost. Once coward, now courageous. You find that in Matthew 26, verse 58. Once impulsive, now humble. Found in John 18, verse 10. Once ignorant, now enlightened. Found in Matthew 16, verse 21. 22 Once deeply inquisitive now submissive found in John 21 verse 21 and 22 once boastful for self or of self now boastful of Christ found in Matthew 26 verse 34 I mean, 33 and 34. And lastly, once timid and afraid, now fearless. Matthew 14, verse 28 through 31. And that's there if you want to write them down. Peter was an ordinary man who chose to follow Jesus and be obedient to his calling. It wasn't without making mistakes. We're going to make mistakes, but what matters is how we respond when we do. Please remember what I said before. Our past doesn't dictate our future. You don't have to live in the past. You'll never move forward. Peter made quite a few mistakes, as you can see in just these few things that I covered. But as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was used to do mighty things. And even at times was given divine power to heal. So don't listen to the lies of not being good enough to serve God. They're straight from the pit of hell. Because if God can use Peter, myself, Pastor Joe, Pastor Paul, Bill, Believe me, he can use you. We're no better. And something to remember God does not need our abilities, He needs our availability. And He will do the rest. So let's pray.